what kind of businesses can this work for? I, I think it can work for a lot of different types of businesses and we're focused on online courses. And I think if anybody has, like if they're just starting out and they like haven't made their first sale yet, I think now, now is a great time to set this up. And when you make your first sale, then you can distribute those percentages. If I would have set this up five years ago, I promise you my business would be in a better place today than it is now. Welcome to the Online Course Guy podcast. I am Jacques Hopkins, the Online Course Guy, and this is the show where we show you how to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. I was able to do just that with the piano, and now, after eight years as an engineer, I am proud to say that I support my family fully for my online piano course. Today on the show is joined by two returning guests. You may remember Tom Geis from episode 20, who has an online course in this very niche area of mechanical engineering. And then of course, Nate Dodson came back, who was on pretty much every episode, the first like 19 episodes. So I brought these two guys back to talk to me about a book I just finished called Profit First. It's a book by Mike McCallowitz. He's got other books. Um, this one's awesome though. It came recommended to me by Tom. Uh, because Tom implemented this system in his business and you can think of it kind of like an accounting system, but it's it's just much more than that. There was a lot of problems with, with the way that I was handling the finances in my business and this book so far has solved almost all of them. It's incredible. So if you're out there, no matter what type of business you have, but especially if you have some sort of online course business or you're planning to have an online course business, I def definitely recommend you pick up this book, you read this book, and implement the system for managing your finances that this book talks about. So whether you are already bringing in money, you can implement it, or whether you are hopefully about to bring in money, you can implement this system. It's fantastic. I can't, at this point, I really can't recommend it any more highly than I do now. It's just incredible. So in this episode, Tom, Nate, and I, we just talked about the book. We talked about our different perspectives about the book, how we've implemented it. Nate actually came at it from the perspective of he knows a little bit about it, but he hasn't implemented it yet. So he had a lot of really good questions. So let's go ahead and jump into the conversation about Profit First. Let's talk about where we are with the implementation. All right. So this book, like seriously, one of the best books I've ever read, It is. it could potentially have a just massive impact on my business. I implemented it about two weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago. And the, the simplicity and the just transparency into how my business is doing is, is just incredible so far. It's hard to say of just using it for three weeks, like just how effective it's going to be, but the potential is amazing. So Tom, I know you're the one that first told me about this book. Tell me when you implemented it and, and how long it's been. And um, well, I guess that's the same question. And, and, and where, where you are with it today. Um, so, you know, I, I've always seen this book on late night infomercials and stuff like that. Uh, really? on CNBC and stuff like that. Yeah, it, it seemed really gimmicky at first when I first saw it. Um, however, when you dug into the reviews, uh, they were outstanding. Um, and it didn't, you know, people seem to be very happy with it. So this was about around the summertime, which is probably around June. Um, I picked it up on my Kindle and, uh, you know, just started kind of going through it, trying to pick up some things. Um, but, you know, I, it really was amazing how 
simple it was, uh, while also allowing me to rethink my business entirely on uh, as being an entity that kind of serves me, as opposed to um, you know just racking up expenses each month and then taking whatever's left over uh, as profit at the end of the year. So um, it definitely really surprised me. It's a very easy read. I mean, I, I think you guys have, have gone through it. It's, it's not too challenging. So um, it's been going really well. It was, I made just a few minor changes. It took me maybe a day or so to get things implemented. Um, now it's just being disciplined following up with it but uh, it really does give me some great transparency in my business. Okay, cool. And, and we'll come back to it because I, I want to break down the, the, the conversation after we just talk about where we are with the implementation between like the, some of the business advice that he provides in the book and then the actual um, technical setup of everything and how it actually works, you know, mm -hmm. because there's actually some really good business advice in the book as well. So Nate, where are you with this? I know you have aspirations to implement it, but you have not started. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I got the book on Kindle and I read probably half of it and started to implement it and, and something I got derailed. Well, you know, Tom and I both have an engineering background and I think it probably spoke to us uh, maybe a little more than you uh, and got us more excited to go ahead and implement immediately because of that engineering background. You're a little more other side of the brain, a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, not completely. All right. So, yeah. so I implemented it, you know, I read the book and implemented it all within about a two day period. Uh, it was really easy for me to implement the bank account part because I'm already doing what he's talking about basically with my personal life. I have, um, I already had about 13 bank accounts with my bank because when I have an expense, um, in my personal life that, that isn't a, a direct monthly expense. So, like my home property tax, I have to pay that yearly. I just throw a certain amount of money to that, that bank account each month. And then at the end of the year, I'm not surprised I could just pay that bill. Mm -hmm. So it made, it just made so much sense. So um, the, the way that they talk about setting it up in the book is you need, you need not, not one bank account for your business. You need seven, you need seven bank accounts and five of them are in one place and two of them are in another place. And, um, the five, the five main bank accounts you have are, and correct me if I'm, if I, if I say anything wrong, Tom, but you've got income is, is the first one and then profit. And then you've got uh, tax, you've got, um, owners, owners, uh, compensation, which I just call it salary on my end. Cause I'm, I'm the only owner. And then you've got operating expenses. Those are the five main accounts. And then you've got two accounts that are the same name as two of the five in a completely different bank because you don't want to see those very regularly. You want to kind of forget about them. And that's your prof, that's your uh, profit and your tax, right? So let's talk about, let's talk about setup of this because Tom, I'm doing something a little different than you. I am, I am going through this process every single day. Wow. And that's for two reasons. Um, one is I'm just, I'm just, starting to get a little out of control with the, um, the finances in my business. And for me to look at this stuff every day, it just really helps me. And I already look at like my personal budget every day. I look at, okay, what did we spend the day before? Um, make sure those are categorized in the right place. 
and just making sure that's what I found works best for me and my family to stick to a budget. So every day, my income from Stripe or PayPal or whatever goes into that income bank account. And then I take the percentage of whatever percentage I've assigned and I move that to the next appropriate bank account. So then for the rest of that day, my you know, revenue or income bank account is zero. It's distributed. And then in my operating expenses, I put all of my, all of my expenses go on one credit card and I pay off that credit card every single day. Wow. So I never have a balance on my credit card. And by the way, I just got a brand new business credit card. Oh, I probably shouldn't show that. <laughs> it's uh, Chase Business Inc. And look, this is great for internet marketers because it does three times the points on online advertising. That's what I have too. Yeah, I have awesome. that one too. Yeah. Guys, you're holding <laughs> back on me on so much stuff. I've the um i use that one for yeah the internet marketing stuff and then i have a capital one spark just for general cash back. yeah yeah okay so that's i'm doing that every day tom i think you're more like once a month you move your your yeah. percentage of stuff um i mean i when you start out you're gonna want to do it once a day and kind of figure it out because you're gonna want to know how it works um i definitely was at that point uh but i realized that at a certain point it it just became kind of me keeping busy. And as long as I knew where things were at any given time, um, I was fine with that. So I do, I do twice a month. I do what the book recommends, which is, um, the 10th and the 25th mm -hmm. do a distribution to make sure that, you know, all your accounts are ready to pay your credit cards, but also that you're regularly following up, but okay. it, it, it is okay to check once a day to look at the bank account. I definitely look at it quite a bit. So one thing I don't think he answered in the book is what happens if the 10th or the 25th lands on a weekend? I'll just do it before or after. I mean, okay. again, it, it's, it's nothing you have to rigidly hold yourself to. Um, I don't need, you know, you mentioned the seven accounts. I actually only have the five. Um, I haven't even set up the two outside ones yet uh, to do the profit and tax distributions. But, um, you know, it's, that, that's what I like about it is it's simple and it's flexible to how you want to set it up. Yeah. And I, you know, once again, this just jives so well with my personal life because my, my personal like emergency fund, I keep that at a totally separate bank. That way I'm not seeing it very regularly. And so my profit hold and tax hold account is what he calls it. I just have those right next to my personal emergency fund in that bank, in that separate bank. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right. So, uh, Nate is, is, does all this make sense? And is this what you remember or had you even gotten to this point in the book? Yeah, it's, I'm, it's coming back to me. I, I kind of remember all this stuff, but um, what I don't understand is how like it helps your business, basically okay. how it helps you improve. So here's the thing that, and he talks a lot of philosophy in the book because that's uh, obviously he can't just say, here's what to do. You've got to know why this is important and how this can positively affect your business. And I can tell you, you know, his advice and also how it's, impacted me is there's a big, um, when you're running your business and you have one bank account, um, your ego can get in the way. Okay. And what happens is you look at that bank account and you're, you're having, maybe you're having a good few days or a good couple of weeks and you're like, man, I've got so much money in my, in my account. I can just spend, 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 right? No problem. And then a couple of weeks later, you've, you've had maybe a bad couple of days and you're, your bank account is almost at zero and you're like, Oh, you've got to cut, cut, cut. And you're looking to ways to save money, this and that. And you just, you can't operate a business like that. 
And I know I was definitely falling into that trap where I'd have a, you know, a good month and I'd be like, yeah, I can, I can afford that. I can afford that. I can afford that. And I keep track of my accounting and fresh books and I see my revenue and my expenses and my profit there. Um, but it didn't always match like my, my one bank account. And, you know, I'd go on fresh books and it'd be like, okay, I made, you know, $10,000 in profit this month, but there wasn't $10,000 that I could spend, it was just really, really bizarre. And one of the big things he has you do in the book is cut expenses. He's like, look, you, you don't, you're running a business. You're trying to make profit. Don't just spend all the money you can. And so one of the takeaways I did was I looked at every single expense that I have. And first of all, I asked if I could cut it out. And if not, how could I lower it? So let me give you a very specific example. I was spending $766 a month on active campaign, which Holy cow. active campaign is a huge part of my business. Like I can't cut that. Okay. But how can I reduce that $766 a month? Well, I just send a quick email to them. Um, and, and we, and I actually got on the phone with them and I was on their pro plan and their pro plan includes like some attribution, which is like when somebody buys something, it assigns a value to that. Um, I don't really use that. The one thing I use in the pro plan is this site messaging. So when somebody is at a certain point in my funnel, um, I could send them, if they're on my website, I send them a little message, say, hey, you know, just a reminder, uh, Roma is about to open, stuff like that. Well, I was basically paying like two or $300 a month for that site messaging. I'm like, okay, well, that's probably not worth it. So I bumped down to the plus plan and, and here's like a pro tip for anybody using active campaign. They have... Their, their tiers for how many contacts and how, how much you're paying is, is it's a big jump when you go from one tier to another. But if you get with them directly, they have custom plans that can do every 5,000 contacts. Okay. So I was, I was at like 20, 28, 29,000 contacts and I'm paying for a 50,000 contact plan. And so by, by switching to a 30,000 contact plan and going down one level, I'm now paying like $340 a month. Wow. That's a huge cut. Yeah. And that wouldn't have happened without this book. Um, I canceled a lot of little services that I wasn't really using. Um, I, I'm not really in a position to switch certain services to like yearly because you can save money that way as well. But I'm really looking forward to like seeing where this month in particular winds up expenses. Uh, it's probably going to come in at under 20,000. Um, I had my best month ever last month. Uh, I brought in in revenue $35,000, wow. uh, but I spent $25,000. Mm -hmm. um, so it was a great month. Um, profit wise was 10,000. Um, but what if it was 15,000, you know? Mm -hmm. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I just don't feel like I spend any money. Like I don't waste any money. I, I hardly spend it on anything. I'm kind of okay. a miser on my spending. Good. Um, so, so, so I here's, don't know if it would help me much there. So that's how, it, that's how it's helped me most. But like if I'm giving you advice, Nate, because I, I know you pretty well and I know your business a little bit, um, I agree. Like that's probably not your biggest problem. But the, way, the other ways that this implementing this can help you is – um, it's all based on percentages. So the definition of profit is, is kind of different than the traditional sense because um, we're, we're all operating pretty simple businesses here. It's basically, you know, our own, um, whatever profit is our own income. And that's the way I've looked at it. It's like, okay, I, I have, I bring in money and then I have expenses and whatever's left over is like my personal money. 
but the way that he's more defining profit is like after salaries and everything, like after you pay taxes, after you pay salaries, is there any other money left over in the business? And what he wants you to do is every single dollar you bring in, set aside a percentage of that. And if you're not doing that already, he recommends just start at 1%. And that's all I'm doing, setting aside 1% of everything coming in and just put that aside. And every quarter you give yourself a profit distribution. It's kind of like a quarterly bonus. And what he says is, is take 50% of whatever's in there and, and, and distribute that to, your, to yourself personally and leave the other 50% in there. And that's just kind of like, if you ever get desperate uh, emergency type situation. So that's one thing is that it allow you to give yourself like a quarterly bonus. Um, the other thing it allows you to do is know how much that you can spend each month. So you put a percentage of your revenue uh, every time you get paid into an operating expenses account and don't spend more than what's in that account. Just don't do it. Um, you set aside a percentage for your taxes. And so that's all set aside in a separate account. You don't have to worry about it. And, um, and then the last thing I'll tell you is that, you know, my wife, my wife will always say like, Hey, how are you doing this month? How, how much does it look like you're going to be bringing home this month? Well, before I implemented this, I would say, well, it's going to be probably, you know, 6,000, maybe 8,000. Like I would never know. Like right now I can tell her, well, look, if the month ended right now, I would have, you know, I would bring home $3,600 because that's exactly what's in my salary account. And that's not going to go down. It can't go down. Does that make mm. sense? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think too, Nate, um, you know, you're kind of in the same camp I kind of fell into, which was, I was very, I was very conservative with the money that I was spending on the business. I did not want to open my wallet unless it was absolutely mandatory. And so it actually helped me on that end too, because now that I, now that I've separated my operating expenses from what I wanted to take home, instead of just having like a big pool of, let's say $40,000 in one account that wasn't doing anything, I now have it broken down and visible to what I can spend. And now I'm trying to force myself to spend that operations budget because I know I've given myself enough in profit. Um, I, I'm at 12% right now, I, I specify for myself. Um, I think I'm at about 27% for salary. Um, and then I always do whatever's tap in tax. I do a little more than half of that. So I think I'm at 8% for taxes. Um, my goal is to get about 50% operations budget, which includes um, my, you know, my contractors, my regular workers, uh, people I'm hiring, stuff like that. But um, it's really great to see that account and know, hey, I've got this amount of money that isn't going to go to profit and isn't going to come to me. And I need to use this amount to grow my business now. Um, I need to use this to make sure that this account I can keep shrinking this and that it still saves the same amount of money in percentage. So that's kind of my goal is to, um, because you're looking at percentages here, the percentages are consistent, but obviously if you make more sales, the amount of money going each of those categories increases. So you really, it really puts you in a sales focused mindset to raise that revenue because you now know you're secure with what you're making on all sides of it. So yeah, your salary changes every month based on how much you earn because you're, you're doing 25% salary. 
No, that's the only one I keep fixed, but I try to keep it around that amount. I actually have it, uh, I, I mean, being the engineer in me, I have a big Excel sheet where it sets adjustments and things like that. But I kind of do an estimated um, how much I'm going to get in sales each month, or I'm sorry, each year. And then I, I kind of distribute that over 12 months and that's the salary I get. But some months I do really well in sales, so it might only be 15%. But then some other months, you know, it's really slow. And all of a sudden now it's like 35, 40% is my salary. So um, that's the only thing I keep fixed is that. See, that's, you know, this is where things are getting confusing already for me. Let me try to straighten this up because I had this exact same question and, and, he, and he kind of addressed it in the book, but it was, it was a little confusing and I, I looked into it a little bit online as well. Um, it, to answer your question, Nate, what you do is you put a percentage into the salary bucket, but you draw a fixed amount each month into as your personal, as your personal salary. So for example, you know, let's say at the end of this month, I have like $8,300 in that account. Well, for my personal life, I only need 7,500. So I'm going to take out 7,500 and that extra 800 stays in there in case I ever, my business ever makes less than 7,500. And that okay. way I can draw I can draw the same amount each month. And then over time, if you notice that that, that excess gets bigger and bigger, that's when you know, okay, maybe I can um, bring home a little bit more for my family. Or, okay, you can adjust, makes sense. or you can adjust the percentages and put an extra percentage somewhere else, like in the profit. Yeah. And then, so how does it help you giving yourself 50% of the profit quarterly as opposed to just distributing that to yourself every month? Well, you've got to have... Well, you could do it every month. That's just what he recommends. If you're used to, um, I know that when I worked uh, my full-time job, we got quarterly bonuses and they were fantastic. And they actually structured it to where the further you were along in the year, the more you got. Um, but it was just really nice. And that's one thing I do miss about a job is like, you bring home what you bring home each month and there's no bonuses here. But with this structure, you actually can give yourself a bonus if you've had a good you know, past three months or past so year. So the, the profit category is pretty much just a miscellaneous buffer. And you can decide to distribute that back to operating expenses, distribute it towards your salary or just keep it in there? No, actually not. The rule is that once it gets in there, it can't come back. And it's meant to, it's meant so that at the end of, I do it once a year. Um, once a quarter is perfectly fine too. I think that um, even once a month would be fine, however you're doing it. Um, but the rule is, and the reason it's called profit first, is you are taking a portion out that has nothing to do with salary, nothing to do with anything else, that your business is making as an asset, almost as a stock that it is earning. And you take that out of the business so that you're not even looking at it as a part of your main finances. So you take that out and now you work with that smaller, whatever it is, you know, I take out, um, you know, 8% for taxes and 12% for profit. So 20% every month comes out, but I don't even, I don't even care about that anymore because it's, it's all taken care of now. Now I know that no matter what, at the end of the year, I'm going to be profitable. There's no way I can't be because I'm taking this out. Now, obviously, you know, you're, if you're spending more than you're making, that's a huge problem, but that's why you have that operations budget. So the, the main thing too, um, 
I, I'm not sure how you guys are structured. I'm structured as an LLC, but I'm taxed as an S corp. Um, so one of the good things about kind of doing this system is you do get, uh, you know, a slight benefit because, um, the, uh, the profit that you're scheduling, you know, I just do it at the end of the year, but if, even if you're doing it every quarter, um, counts as a distribution, which means you don't have to take FICA, which is social security and Medicare, um, and be taxed on it. So you're actually saving 15% on your taxes for that portion each year. Now there's some, you got to speak to your account about that. Don't just start putting random amount of money into your profit and hope that it should, you need to be paying yourself a decent enough salary and through social security and Medicare and all that stuff. Um, but it helps keep that separate as well as making it so that uh, at the end of the year, you have something that rewards you for the business because you're not an employee. If you're just taking a regular salary, you're, you're an employee, you're not an investor and an owner, but when you're taking that profit, it gives you that extra incentive to, um, you know, work harder at the business to grow that each year and see how profitable you can get. Nate, there's got to be some, some, uh, something in your personal life that you could use a, a bonus for. I mean, uh, a new car one day, uh, an upgrade to the RV. I mean, there's got to be something and that it's, it's meant to reward yourself for doing a good job running your business. Yeah. But it, the salary if you're just taking it all as a salary, that's also rewarding you for doing a good job of the business. Like I don't see how it's any different really. Yeah. Because a salary should be normal. Like that's your normal living your life in a normal way. And then you get this profit distribution and that's like, okay, time to reward yourself with something, you know, take the family on a trip. It's fun money. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's more fun money to an extent. I mean, don't waste it. I mean, have a good time with it, but and everybody's going to use it differently. I mean, I, I completely understand why you would raise these questions, but I'm just saying there's got to be something, man. I, and I know, I know you like, you don't always use money to reward yourself and your family, you know, but sometimes it's fun to, to spend money on something to do that. Yeah, I know I, the, the way we're set up right now is like, we don't spend much money at all. Um, but we kind of do whatever we want. We do quite a bit of travel, all the amount of travel we want. We pretty much buy everything we want. Um, but we, what, we want, what we want is very little. Yeah, we do have a mortgage. So he actually says, put, pay that profit um, distribution yeah. down, on your, down on your mortgage um, until it's paid off. And I think he says like out of your profit distribution, make sure you save a little bit to have fun with. That way it's just not mm -hmm. all work. But he does recommend yeah. like get rid of all debt, including your mortgage. And that profit uh, distribution can help with that. Like, <laughs> and he recommends yeah. you do that. So there's, there's something too. That's what we're using it for too, is to pay down our mortgage. Yeah, so. absolutely. I know, I know for us, like we could really use a, an upgraded car right now. Like the one we have is, is getting old. It's got a lot of miles and it's small too for having a family of four now. And um, we don't really, we don't really have the money for a, for a car right now. And I mean, we don't buy new cars, we buy used cars, but even still. And so, I can see this account building up over time, eventually being able to help us, help us, you know, buy the car that we need. Um, the, the other thing I'm using mine towards too, is to get into more secure investments like stocks, bonds, mutual funds, that sort of thing. Um, reinvesting it to become, um, you know, it, into something that's, you, you know, a fixed earning type of thing versus your business. And, 
the whole point of this too, remember, is that you are putting money in an operations account that is your investment now. That is your investment capital. It's not just your regular expenses that you require over the course of the year. It should be bigger than that. Your oper like my operating expenses are, uh, they started about 60%. I think I'm down to 58 now. Um, uh, about every quarter I readjust. I, you know, maybe do one tick up in profit or one tick up in taxes or salary. You know, you can adjust it to be where you want to be. Um, but the good thing about it is I have my regular expenses that are paid for, you know, your active campaign, CRM, stuff like that, that you have to pay for monthly. But then I actually subdivide the operations expense into another account, which I call a project fund, which are value added projects that I want to do that will require, you know, capital investment almost. Um, and I, uh, you know, like recently I just, I hired a marketing agency to, um, you know, develop an advertising funnel for me. And I knew exactly how much I could spend. I knew exactly what I needed to get out of it. And it was completely transparent to me that, you know, spending, you know, six, seven grand on something like this would be a great investment. And I had the budget for it. And so I, I, I just went ahead and did it. Yeah. That's a, that's a great way to do it. I mean, the, to give you a, a bad example, that's a good example. Like six, seven, eight months ago, um, I wanted to have an SEO presence and the person I wanted to go with, the agency I wanted to go with was $3,300 a month. And at the time I had a good month. And so I was like, yeah, I can do that. Let's do it. I, and, and that was, um, that wasn't a great assessment. Like you, like the assessment you just had, Tom, where it's like, okay, I know I can afford that because I have these systems in place. It's not, I know I can afford it because I had a good month. And that's what he says. One of the things he says in the book is like, when you have a good month, you, your tendency to say is, is okay. This is the new normal. Like every month going forward is going to be bit like this or better. So I need to adjust all my expenses and everything accordingly. When in reality, everything's more up and down. So is there any sort of emergency fund? Like I see, I see the profit could sort of be an emergency fund. Um, but that's not very much. It's, it's a pretty small number. It seems like typically, um, uh, is there a, should you put every, all the profit into a separate emergency fund till it gets up to like four months of your business expenses or something? Is there any rule about that in there? I didn't, I don't remember reading anything like that. Yeah, there is. Um, so he says at first that it's basically your profit account because you're only going to be drawing 50% of it when it's time for distributions. And so that can build up, but he does recommend long-term um, I forget the exact word. Do you, Tom, do you remember the verbiage he used for that? It wasn't emergency fund. It was. Yeah. I, I can't like, remember the exact like word. Rainy day. It was something, um, something like that, but he said, you want to have recession least, fund. Three, yeah. Three or four. You want to be able to operate your business for at least three or four months out of this account. If yeah. just everything went wrong. But, okay. But the other thing too, to remember Nate with, with distributing and having it there that way, this no, that money no longer becomes, um, that, that goes into now your, your basis, your owner's equity, which is how much you've invested in the company. So if you, if you do send money back in from your profit, that's like you reinvesting in your company. And now you have that basis that is, you know, if you pulled forth, let's say you put $4,000 in for something, some reason, um, you can then later pull that out tax-free because you've already, 
paid taxes on it and everything. It's a capital investment as opposed to being part of just normal sales and income that you have. Okay. So I could right off the bat, if I wanted to have a three month emergency fund, sort of my business, I could fund the profit account right off the bat out of my personal bank account with three months of expenses, have that sitting in there. And that's, or you could even do a separate account if you wanted. I mean, there's, yeah. there's no limit to the, the, there's no strict rules on what you can do. I see how this is beneficial psychologically. Mm -hmm. I mean, go ahead and fund that emergency fund if you want. I mean, the whole point of the profit, I didn't actually seed it first. I just, um, uh, when I first started, I had, you know, uh, an entire year of, of business that I had profit in the company. So I had both taxes paid money that was already in there. And then most of it was where I didn't pay taxes on it yet. That taxes paid portion I put into the profit right away because just to keep it separate so that, you know, just at the end of the year, psychologically or mentally that I knew I had to pay this amount of money off this other stuff. So um, then the rest of the money, whenever I put the money into the profit account, I also put money into the tax account so that uh, at the end of the year, you have to pay taxes on that profit but now you're not blindsided with a, you know, a $10,000 bill when all of a sudden you realize, you know, if, if you're taking home, let's say, let's say you're taking home $20,000, you know, at the end of the year, depending on how much you have left in your operation expense, everything else, you might have a pretty high tax bill. So that's what the tax account kind of protects you from too. Yeah. So the name of the account I was trying to think of, he calls it the vault. Oh, the vault. That's right. Yep. The vault. And it's in the last chapter of the book, which is called advanced techniques. So basically he recommends everybody set up that basic system where you've got the five accounts and then the two accounts, but he does acknowledge that every business is different. And in the advanced techniques, it's basically, okay, here's, you know, every time, every time this, um, you have an additional need that this system doesn't quite serve, all you have to do is open up an extra account. And he talks about all the example accounts that he's seen. And, and the vault is a really good one. Once you've made some traction with the basic setup, the vault is, some, is not something you set up immediately, but, um, but more longer term for those, for those short-term emergencies. And, okay. and why, why, do you have, why, why do you have the um, profit and tax account in two, two separate places? Jacques, like, why don't you just transfer them from your operating expenses account straight to the other bank? Okay, uh, good question. So the so I can tell you what he says about it. And so far, I agree with what he says about it. So the reason you don't just transfer it from the income account off to the other bank immediately is because when you do bank to bank transfers, it takes like three business days. And when you log in, and then you look at your bank accounts, you want as accurate of data as possible. And so if it takes three days, it can get very confusing. And if it's like, if it's pulled out of one account, but it hasn't shown up in the other one yet, or it's like for some reason showing up in both accounts, it's just, it's just a mess. There can be a mess. And that's why he says to do it that way. Um, now, if you're wondering why not just leave all five accounts like Tom does it, it's because you don't want to see, for example, like the tax account, you don't want to see that grow month to month to month. Cause then there's like this temptation there. It's like, Oh wow, there's 20 grand in that account. Like, mm -hmm think of what I could do with that. And he actually, one of the advanced techniques I think is, okay, rename that tax account, rename it to government's money. That way, you know, it's not your money and you can't touch it. Yeah. Does that make sense, Nate? Yeah, it does. So you, you just, so like once a month, you transfer from one bank to the other for those two accounts? 
Yeah, I think he, re so he recommends doing this whole process, all the transfers twice a month on the 10th and the 25th of the month. Okay. Um, I personally am doing everything but the bank to bank transfers every day, like including weekends. Like I'm doing this every single day just because I feel like I really need it. And at the minute, like right now I want to do it a day, day to day, day, every day. And uh, long-term I'm thinking either weekly or twice a month. And then I'll do the uh, bank to bank transfer like once a week. Okay. And I have a qu specific question about one of my other businesses. Now this is my, re this is my rental property. So this year I've had tons of expenses and it's taking a loss. So uh, I make 300 bucks a month in, in, in uh, more than I pay for the mortgage of that property. And so that goes into my operating expenses and you distribute it how you needed to and everything. But I haven't taken down a tree for that's two grand and put a new roof on it. So I'm having zero profit this year. So what do you do if you don't have money, your operating expenses goes bust like, well, I think, I mean, I don't know the true answer to this, but at the end of the day, like he wants everybody to have a really healthy business and you can have all these fancy accounting reports and profit and loss summaries and this and that. But that end of the day, he says cash is king. Like you want to log you, a healthy business has lots and lots of cash. Okay. And he wants to help you set, be set up for success that way. And if you would have started this business from day one using his system, then you probably wouldn't be in the negative, but you just, you spent more than you brought in. So you're not really following the system. So you have to kind of use a different system. Yeah. It's like, it's not active spending. It's just like unexpected stuff that kind of came up. I guess it's not really unexpected. You know, I should have forecasted that, but right. And if you would have had the vault, then it would have been fine. There is some, a lot of, a lot of business to have a loss that first year. So, so I, just guess I would just wonder how you manage that loss, you know, what that would look like yeah. on paper. I guess yeah. maybe the system isn't built for people that want to have any sort of loss at all from the get-go. If you follow the system, you're not going to have a loss because you can't, like, you don't have the money to spend any more than what you have to spend. But like a lot of businesses require a capital, a lot of capital expenses up front, like a construction company or something like that. So maybe this is, isn't built for a business like that. This is only built for a business that you put it an is. initial it's built for any business. So he talks about that. Like if you have, let's say you're starting a business and you get an investment of a hundred thousand dollars, he says, don't put that all in your, you know, operating expenses or whatever. He, and even don't put it in your income and distribute it. Like, don't do that. He says, open a separate account called capital investment and mm -hmm. you know, figure out, okay, is that supposed to be for over the next year? If it is divided by 12 and put, um, that smaller amount, you know, $8,000 into the income each month. And once you put it into income, then distribute it, your percentages. Okay. And, and you're not supposed to start out with even 12% like I did. The only reason I did was yeah. because I was already, I already knew my profit distribution from the year before. Um, what I was, you know, I think I, I had like a, um, an 18% profit the year before. So I knew 12 wouldn't break the bank. Um, but the, uh, the thing is, even if you start with 1%, you know, 1% tax, 1% profit or whatever, 2%, you know, the whole point is to view, instead of viewing that hundred percent value that you normally do is to cut it a little bit, trim off the top, that part that you're supposed to take and then run the business off the rest of it. So even if let's say profit and tax is 5% total, um, you're running it now off 95%. You can run your business off 95% of the income. You know that, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, so, it's it's a psychological buffer. Exactly. It's it's all yeah. mental. And then the goal is to slowly, gradually increase the profit while decreasing the expenses that you have until you're at a comfortable level that you want to be. So um, one thing we've, we didn't mention yet is uh, he recommends putting um, on the accounts the actual percentage that you're taking and then in brackets put the goal. So I, my goal, my pie in the sky goal is 20% profit. Ooh, that's a lot. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. And I don't think I'll, I'll reach it anytime soon. However, um, if you are in, you know, it, it, it's one thing if your goal is to, you know, do the lifestyle business, which is my goal kind of, but um, eventually all of us would like to move more into the owner role as opposed to the owner operator role. Yeah. And that is where you transition. That's where salary and profit are separate because now as you transfer into more of an owner role where you have people running your business, kind of like Jacques is set up right now, where he's, you know, he's not working too many hours a week directly in the business. He's working on it as the owner. Um, you can increase that profit and decrease your salary. And there's a whole bunch of tax implementation, uh, uh, results that that could have, you know, and, um, but you know, it is beneficial to do it that way. Um, and that's kind of the goal will be, you know, I have 20% profit set as the goal, but I also have my salary dropping down to about 20% too. So. Okay. So Tommy, you said you don't have to pay the FICA on the stuff that you put in the profit account. Oh man, we're getting, uh, we're getting, on if the you want to get in the weeds, we can get in the weeds here, but real, real quick, here's the overall, um, it's there. This is a very great area of tax accounting. And I, I recommend everyone as a disclaimer, talk to your accountant prior to setting this up. However, if you are set up as an S corporation for tax purposes, you are still a pass through organization like an LLC. However, when you are a normal LLC or a sole proprietor, um, in taxed as such, all the money you make, profit, salary, whatever, just goes into one pile that is taxed like it would be normal income, like you bring it home from a job. However, when you're taxed as an S-corp, um, you have a salary that you take that has FICA and stuff like that. You need to take a salary if you are working on the business. It's called a reasonable salary. You have to look up what a reasonable salary for the work that you're doing is. However, anything beyond that you earn as a, um, I think it's an owner's, owner's equity, not owner's equity. Um, uh, there, there's some term for it, but um, it, it's basically your profit in the business. And uh, that you only have to pay federal and state taxes on at the end of the year. Um, so you now, probably try and be giving yourself the minimum reasonable salary you could possibly give yourself and then just doing the profit distributions more often, right? That's where people get into trouble though, because you still need to be maintaining a reasonable salary and the IRS does not set these limits. It's just, Hey, you better set a reasonable salary or else. That's so, that's so crazy. That's so vague. That's so weird. Some people say that the rule is one-to-one. -one. You should never exceed like 50% profit, 50% salary like that. If, okay. if you exceed that, then you're going to be red flagged right away. However, um, I, I remember reading a story about, um, I think it was John Edwards uh, as a lawyer. Um, what started this legal or this, this law firm and eventually just became the owner. And he wasn't really, uh, you know, work. He was working as a lawyer a little bit. So he took a salary for the amount that he was working, but the, the, 
the company made about a million dollars a year, but the reasonable salary for a lawyer was only about $250,000. So he could take that $750,000 and distribute it as a, it's profit. It's the same way any, it's the same way Apple and all the rest of the companies operate, except they're taxed as C-Corps, which is a little different, but um, it is counted as a capital profit. It's your risk of being an owner and now you are rewarding yourself for an investment and therefore they don't take social security and medicare out so that's going to come down to a random irs agent that (laughs) thinks that you're hey man you're not paying yourself a reasonable amount i I, right now i'm only like two i'm only i think one to point five so i know i'm probably not going to get flagged um i'm taking a reasonable salary for what i should be doing um However, they can investigate, you know, just like any time there's no guidelines to it. Um, there's only these rules of thumb and, uh, you know, 50, 50 seems to be, I've talked to many accountants about this 50, 50 seems to be the limit that you should try to avoid, you know, crossing that. So, okay. All right. So anybody listening, <laughs> talk to an accountant. Exactly. We're, we're not accountants. That is a gray area, what you're talking about, Tom, that's yes. definitely a gray area. Um, my business is not set up like that. Mine's just a traditional LLC and, uh, which is less of a gray area. Anyway, let's go back to the percentages. Okay. Because Nate, one thing I want to make clear is like the book doesn't recommend you, you start doing this and you set goal percentages and then you immediately implement those goal percentages. He wants you to start out basically what you're already doing. He wants you to figure out, okay, let's look at the past 12 months of your business and figure out what those percentages are that you've been doing. And then the biggest thing he wants you to do on the first month you start implementing this is, okay, at a bare minimum, let's give you 1% profit. Other than that, you can just kind of do the percentages that you've been doing. So I looked at that and I was kind of spending about 66% so um, on expenses. So right now, my percentage for operating expenses, I've got it at 65% with a goal of getting down to 50. So this is my first month of implementing this system and I'm just doing 65%. And next month I might do 64, 63, depending on how this month goes. Um, my salary, I've got it at 30% because that's pretty much what I've been paying myself. And I, um, I'm not ready to take like a lifestyle hit unless I need to. Uh, but my goal for salary is 25%. What's your, what's yours on salary, uh, Tom? I think I'm at 27 now. Okay. And I think, what's your goal? Uh, I think my goal is to be at 20. Okay. Um, More of an owner role. And taxes, um, he recommends setting 15% aside, uh, 15% of your, keep in mind, this is revenue, not on your profit um, aside. I've, I've been doing about four. And so I'm this month I'm doing four and I'd like to get that up to 15 as quickly as possible, because that's one area you don't want to be short on for sure is the, uh, is the tax side. And then I'm just doing 1% profit for now. So like last month, um, my revenue was 35,000. If I would have set aside 1%, that'd be th- um, $350 of just extra money for that one month. But I didn't do that last month and there wasn't really any extra money, you know? And so, but my goal was, would be 10% on the profit. Um, and he says, you don't want to, you don't want to end up giving yourself too much profit as long as you want your business to continue to grow too, because any money you pay yourself in profit is money you could have spent yes. on your business too. So 
I think 20% is, is definitely on the high level of what he's recommending, Tom, but, but yeah. it's your business and you can make that call on what your goals are and everything. Exactly. And people forget too, that there's two ways of reaching those targets. Um, like, let's say you wanted to, uh, you know, if I wanted to get my expenses down to 50%, um, from 68, like you were mentioning, um, I can cut costs or I can raise my sales. <laughs> yeah. Both of them will get your percentage down. So yeah, it really makes the sales metric far more important because sales yeah. normally is a vanity metric. It, it doesn't mean anything unless you put it into context. And what this does is it puts your sales into a perfect context. Because now the higher your sales, you know exactly, you're not only making more profit, but you're be able to inject more into the business now. Um, and so it, it, it really works both ways and helps you rethink that sales uh, metric that you normally look at. That's, that's a really, really good point, Tom. Really good point. Um, because I, it's, it's easy for me to look at sales because um, it's a big number, but it doesn't help if you're not looking at the full picture. And that's, that's one of the reasons he calls it profit first. There's a, there's a few reasons. One of the reasons, cause people look at um, traditionally revenue is the top line. Mm -hmm. And then next would be expenses and then profits at the bottom. Right. And he actually, he doesn't, and in terms of that equation, he likes, what does he say to do? He likes um, uh, expenses. He doesn't say to put profit at the top of that list, but, Sales minus profit equals expenses. Bingo. Sales minus profit equals expenses. And that goes back to your tree thing, Nate. Like sales minus expense, sales minus profit equals expenses. Well, if you don't have the expense that like, if you don't have the money down there, you can't, you can't spend it. The money doesn't exist. Yeah. Well, they you know? said they were, weren't going to insure the house anymore if I didn't replace the roof. And, and it's, it's a whole, it's, this is so psychological because when you, it, when you're in those situations, it's such a motivator to go make some more money, you know? So I just write her a letter and just say, Hey, you got to pay me an extra grand this month on your rent. I need, my business needs more money. Well, if, if you aren't profitable for a long period of time, is it worth continuing the business though? That's the, that's the question. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's good for businesses like that. And I'm not saying you can't, you would do what you're normally doing. You're putting capital investment from your, probably your personal account into this business to help, help fund that. Great. You can do that when you're first starting out, you're at a, you know, you're not making a yeah. profit, but the whole point of this is to first look at that. This is the profit I need to make. I need to make 1%. You can take 1% and move it there. And then the whole point is this very gradual, very slow moving towards making more profit. Next yeah. month, maybe 2%. You can work, you can run the business off 98%. Um, and, you know, you have to look at though your true operating costs. That tree removal might be something that you need to now bake into every single investment that you're looking at as an operating expense. It's part of your operating expenses. So it helps you to also make better decisions on what you are going to use as a capital expense. Um, mm -hmm. One quick tip that, that I've started doing, which is kind of, uh, it's not in the book, but it's something that's really helped me um, do better at making decisions on operating expenses is um, 
since let's just say I'm at 50%, uh, I won't use rough numbers because it's, it's tougher to calculate, but um, I'm at 50% for operating expenses, let's say. Um, I have something that I want to spend money on. I have to calculate what is the return that I expect to get in order to make this worthwhile. Well, because I have it set at 50%, I now say, well, in order to get that money back, let's say it's a $5,000 expense, I need to make $10,000 on whatever this capital investment is. Because it's not just worth the $5,000 I'm spending. Because I need to also add to my salary and to my profit and all that stuff. And so you kind of can look at the different elements that you're spending money on and grade them. Are they doing what they should be? Are they getting you the money they should be? And not, um, you know, some things aren't easy to do that. Paying an accountant, paying a lawyer, all that stuff is just stuff you have to do anyway. But it's better for when you're looking at projects and things like that, that you want, that you might want to try to increase sales. You can actually give yourself an idea of what you need to make in order to make it worth it. Okay. So on that note, Tom, you know, like my, um, online advertising is like a 1.2 ROI, right? Mm -hmm. And my expenses right now is at 65%. So are you saying be, are you saying that basically I have a negative ROI? No, I'm saying that when you're looking at something, I would say that that is in the regular course of doing business. I'm saying if you're looking at making a project or a decision, something that's not a part of your core business, like me, when I was talking about going to a marketing firm to do something, you know, to increase my revenue, I can now look at that as an investment and say, what amount, what amount of money do I need to really make back? To make it worth it. Now, that's just an idea I had. I, I'm, I'm still going back and forth to see if maybe, I, maybe it should only be, it should just make the amount of money back because then it's still getting distributed throughout the company. It's just, you know, going there. But um, that's kind of my goal right now is to try to make big decisions that really will impact. And uh, it's helping me avoid, you know, if, I, if there's something that will only make a small difference, but it costs a lot of money. Um, why, why would I do that first? Why would I work on that first? So. Nate, do you have any other questions about the implementation of this? Yeah. I wonder which accounts, are they all checking accounts or some savings accounts? Yeah. He recommends that they all be checking accounts. I think just because checking accounts can do more and he doesn't want to you to be limited. What I have found and what I've done is only my, um, my first account, the revenue, the income account is a checking account and the rest are savings accounts and it hasn't been a problem at all. Okay. So what if you, uh, just the income is, yeah. so how do you pay your operating expenses is a savings, savings account. account. Yeah, I can pay my, so my operating expenses, the only thing it, it pays is my credit card, right? So my credit card actually buys all my stuff and you can pay off a credit card with a savings account. Oh, okay. I have so my, when you pay your when you pay your taxes, uh, you'll be able to pay that out of your savings account. That's a good that's a good point. So think about the fact that when I'm paying my taxes, it's going to come from that other bank, right? So I guess at the end of the day, the oh, yeah. that other the, the the tax hold account really should be a checking account, and, and mine is not right now. But that's a good point. Okay. I mean, the, the other thing you guys can um, you know it's a very flexible system. So you don't need to 
you can have all savings accounts and then if all of a sudden tax bill comes, transfer from your savings to your whatever you can pay out of and just pay that. It, as long as you track the money and, and have it. The whole point is to have the money you need when you need it. Yeah. Okay. What else, Nate? That's about it. Cool. So the, to, to kind of wrap this up, I just, you know, since this is a podcast episode, um, as well as just a conversation among friends, I just wanted to, you know, for the people listening, what kind of businesses can this work for? I, I think it can work for a lot of different types of businesses and we're focused on online courses. And I think if anybody has like, if they're just starting out and they like haven't made their first sale yet, I think now, now is a great time to set this up. And when you make your first sale, then you can distribute those percentages. If I would have set this up five years ago, I promise you my business would be in a better place today than it is now. Not that my business is in a bad place. I just know that if I would have been doing this the whole time, um, cash wise, I'd just be in a, a much better place. And, and so, and then even if somebody has made sales already, like, like I had, it's, it's not hard to just go ahead and implement. You just figure out kind of what you've been doing in terms of these percentages and, and just start doing that intentionally. And then month to month, slowly work on getting to those goal percentages. And I think, I mean, for me, it's probably going to take like a year to get to those goal percentages. Um, yeah, I, I think that anytime you have a business where you have money coming in, you can implement this. Um, you just implement with whatever money's coming in, even if let's say you're starting up the business and you're, you're paying, you know, just like a lot of us did in my first year, I was paying in, you know, a few thousand dollars a month and making just a few hundred dollars, but you take that few hundred dollars and you practice with that money doing your distributions. And then it, the system grows with you as you gain more sales. Um, obviously it's not going to fix a bad business. If you don't have a, you know, if you're, if your business fails or is not working well, um, it, it won't work. But um, the, the main point is that it helps you scale very, um, very slowly. You know, you don't want to do it too quickly. Um, but also ensures that you have the right mindset about business, that you want the businesses there working for you and that you are gaining this at either the end of the year, the end of the quarter, whatever, to show for you being an entrepreneur and taking this risk. This is, uh, it's been a good conversation, guys. Appreciate you joining me for this. Absolutely. Thanks, I'm convinced. You are? You, you were a little skeptical there. I'm glad we got you, Nate. Yep. All right. Well, hopefully next time we talk, you can talk about how awesome Profit First is. Thanks again to Tom and Nate for joining me on the show today. And thank you for all of you out there listening to another episode of the Online Course Guy podcast. And I really hope that you'll go pick out pick up a copy of this book and, and read it. It's a, like Tom was saying, it's a really easy read. It, I read it in just a few hours and within about a day or two, I was able to read the book and implement it. So it's really not, uh, it's nothing tough. So I really hope you'll do that because it's made a big impact on my business and I hope that, that it can make a, an impact on your business as well. Now, if you're just getting started with this stuff, with uh, the online course stuff and you're looking to get off to a really good start. I've got a free quick start guide waiting for you, the eight steps to turn your hobby or passion into a profitable online course. That's waiting for you over at the online course guy. 
www.profitablemindset.com. So you can head there, grab that quick start guide, and I look forward to seeing your profitable online course up one day soon. Take care.